0: Welcome to the Next Level Youth Podcast. Here you will find sermons and content from Next Level Youth. We meet every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at the Palace of Praise Church. We hope this content challenges and encourages you in your walk of faith. Let's grow in Christ together. Genesis 2, 25 through three 13. I'm going to go ahead and read. No cute intros tonight. There's a time for cute intros. There's a time. There's a time to be cute. But it's not right now. Genesis 2.25, and I'm going to read, go down to chapter 3, read through verse 13. All right? And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? But the Lord called, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Just following orders. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. First book of the Bible, literally the beginning. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see, and we read the poetic account of God creating the heavens and the earth, and he creates everything, that occupies the earth and the stars and the sky. He creates it all just by speaking it, literally just by speaking it. He makes it, and he also, lastly, creates man, and then he creates woman. And of creation, he says it's good, and when it comes to humankind, when it comes to men and women, Adam and Eve, he says it was very good. And at the end of chapter 2, like chapter 1 through 2, everything is going really awesome. It's really great. It's really, really great. And the truth of the matter is, great is an understatement. It's really more like paradise. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, who comes in the picture? The snake. Silly snake. It's not a silly snake. He's a demon snake, the devil himself. And all snakes are the devil. Can I get an amen? No. All right. Whatever, man. I must be in the, that weird Pentecost church anyway. But in comes the serpent. And what does the serpent do? He comes and he talks to Adam and Eve. And what do Adam and Eve do? They give him their attention. They give him a platform. They're like, we better listen to this guy. He, he, he seems like he's got something going on. And so they start to listen, right? He takes full advantage of his moment, and he convinces them to do the one thing. If you heard this story a million times, understand, but understand not everybody has. And that's okay. The one thing that God told Adam and Eve not to do is that one thing that that snake, in a few moments, convinced Adam and Eve to do. And when they eat of that fruit, in verse 6, in to paradise steps sin. And sin, when it enters paradise, when it enters Eden, comes with great implications. Implications that we have been dealing with ever since we you and I deal with this moment every single moment of every single day the implications cannot even be fully defined or wrote down or put in any book and if you read on from this moment you start to see the weight of sin and you start to see the effects of it. Back in March, I preached uh, a sermon called The Price of Sin. If you want to go back and listen to that, it's on our, our podcast. And I'm not going to dive into that too much. But that's the verses that we didn't read. And we started in that time. We started in verse 16. But what I want to do is to focus on these implications, these things that we see at the very beginning, right after chat, or verse 7, excuse me, The things that happen in these few verses, in verses 7 through 13, are huge, and they say a lot about the implications of sin, and they say a lot about what God wanted for man and himself. So what we're going to do, all right, we're going to be here two weeks, I believe, this week and then two weeks from now. And we're just in a little two-part sermon. I believe it'll just be two parts. It's just called The Garden. Say The Garden. Just to make sure you're awake out there. The Garden. The Garden. Let's reread verse 6. Verse 6, if you could put it back up. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And in the verses following, that moment is the moment that everything changes. And here comes implications. And these implications are both horizontal. Pff, I did it again. Horizontal and vertical. Twin rivers, man. Can't help. Vertical and Horizontal. Good creep you guys ain't praying for me out there. Come on, intercede. Good Lord Jandis. Here we go. Uh, it is okay. I, I agree I agree. What do I mean by horizontal implications? In that very moment there was immediate effect on the relation to it, the relationship between Adam and Eve between man and woman between. Humankind, And in that very moment, there were also vertical implications that had an immediate immediate effect on the relationship between God and man. And we see this before God ever starts to hash out his judgment. We didn't even get there. We didn't even read that. You can read it for yourself. We already see these implications before God even puts a huge spotlight on the weight of what they did. (coughs) Excuse me. These effects, these horizontal implications are things and effects that we still deal with today. What happened in these moments between Adam and Eve are what you're still experiencing. Is is your relationships here on the earth, are they just all peachy all the time? Does it always go well? Are you fully transparent with your friends? Do you have a good relationship with your friends? Do you hide anything from them? Anything you hide, any evil that you experience, any wrong that's done to you is the implication, it's an effect of what happened in this moment, and it's a direct effect of sin, and sin's effect on man and women and and friendships through all of history. It's right here. It happened right here. Notice the first verse we read, verse 225, from chapter 2, verse 25, excuse me, the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. They were both naked and not ashamed. And then they sinned. And what's the first thing that happens? In verse 7, they knew they were naked and they proceeded to cover themselves up. Don't get stuck being gross, being weird about this. This is not weird or gross. In this sin-fallen world that we live in, and we've always existed in, it's hard to understand what it was like before Adam and Eve messed everything up. Adam and Eve, before sin entered the picture, literally had nothing to hide from each other. They fully knew one another. There was no guilt in the relationship, no shame, no backstabbing, no pain. They had nothing to be ashamed of. They had nothing to hide until sin crept in. They had never experienced an ounce of what we experience in our relationships that are negative. They had never once felt the need to hide anything from anyone or from each other. But now, they did. So as quickly as they could, they hid themselves from one another. The faster, the better. And we're going to focus on the horizontal implications, and we're going to dig into this more in a couple weeks. But tonight, we're going to focus on the vertical effect. The effect that verse 6 had on the relationship between God and man. Verse 8 says this. Verse eight, if we can get there. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. God's presence was there with them in the garden. It says that he literally walked with them in the garden. And never before until this moment Had God's presence been strange to them? Never had it been unwelcome. Never had it been something to hide from. Never had it really even been noticed because the truth of the matter is they noticed God, but it wasn't strange for him to be there. It's like I know my if I'm at home, I know my son's at home, unless he's with my wife. But chances are he's at home, so when I see him, I'm not surprised that he's there. Does that make sense to you? Adam and Eve were not surprised by God's presence being in the garden, but for the first time, it was unwelcome, and for the first time, they were afraid. That's what it says in verse 10, if you could put verse 10 up. And he said, "I heard." Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I was afraid. Notice, God has not dealt out any judgment that starts in verse 14. But Adam and Eve, before God ever even says a word, they start to feel and experience the power and the weight and the guilt and the shame of sin. For the first time here in this moment, man ran and hid from the presence of God. They'd never felt this way about God's presence, but when sin creeps in, that's exactly. What happens? God had never been someone to hide from because there was nothing to hide from him. You understand? They had nothing to hide until sin crept in. And unfortunately, here's the problem. You ready for some more problems? Who likes problems? I love them. They're the best. Unfortunately, here's your problem. Everybody in this room, everybody that's ever existed, We have all descended from Adam and Eve and we all get to experience these same effects that they experienced in the garden and in the moments to follow. Romans 5.12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death reigned through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Here's the good news. Although we are in Adam, Although we are just like them, although we are born sinners, we don't get to have to experience, excuse me, good news is coming soon. I got to give you more bad news. I apologize. You, like, you want some more bad news? Here's the bad news, a little bit more. We don't get to have the experience that Adam and Eve got to experience before the fall. Can you imagine being Adam and Eve? Just try to take yourself there for a moment. And remembering what it was like to be in the garden. And then getting kicked out. And then living for years and years and years. Can you imagine? Unfortunately, we we don't get to experience that, at least not here and now. But here is the thing I will say about Eden. And this is what these whole two weeks are about, all right? Try to stick with me if you can. I do believe that Eden has much to say about what God designed relationship between man and God for, and it has much to say about what the relationship that we have with other people is supposed to look like. And I also believe this. I believe that God... Let's those who are in Christ experience and get a taste of Eden in the here and now. We can't live there. We can't reside there. We can't experience everything that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. But I believe that if we're in Christ, God wants wants us to experience some of what Eden was like, some of what paradise was like in the here and now. So for the remainder of the night, I'm going to try to quickly bring out four things, all right? <clears throat> four things that I believe that we, and that we find here in this text that were God's original intention for a relationship between God and man. Four things and four things we can learn, excuse me, and apply to us in the here and now. We see them all right here in these few verses. And I'll try to be quick, and the truth of the matter is, I've covered some of this this year, but the fourth point is where we're going to hang out, okay? So if you're not hanging out here, just wait. Hopefully we can hang out at the fourth point, all right? Point number one. We see in these verses that God wanted to and wants to walk with us. He wants to walk with us. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I talked about this a lot in the sermon called Co Laborers. But before the fall and in the garden, walking among men was what God did. It's what He did every day. It was no strange thing. It's what He wanted. And the truth of the matter is, it's what He still wants. God literally wants to walk with you. That's what he wants. But please understand, you've got to understand, he doesn't just want to walk with you on Sunday, and he doesn't just want you to acknowledge him on Wednesday, and he doesn't just want you to follow him an hour of every day. God wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you every single step of every single day. Every single moment, God wants to walk with you. And I'm not going to spend any more time there. But I will tell you this. If you're not sensing and experiencing the presence of God and you don't understand that he wants to walk with you, you're not fully understanding the relationship that he intends to have with you. And if you want to dig into that more, Go back on our podcast, listen to the sermon called Co-Laborers. Maybe that'll help you out a little bit more. Number two, and I won't spend much time here either because I preached about this at the beginning of the year, but God wanted and wants us to be able to hear his voice clearly. Adam and Eve literally got to hear the audible voice of God. Has anyone in this room ever heard the audible voice of God? Have you ever heard God speak out loud like I'm speaking right now? Anybody? Excuse me. That's the experience that Adam and Eve had. What happens in this text? What happens in the verses before chapter 3? There's clear communication between God and man, so much so that God sits down with Adam and they name every single beast, every single flying thing, every living thing. Him and Adam sit down and name them. That's the kind of relationship he had. That's the kind of communication he desires to have with his kids. With his creation, with mankind. That's what he wants. And I talked a lot about hearing God's voice in a series at the beginning of the year called God's Plan. So, once again, I'm not going to spend much time here, but I want you to understand please, please understand. God wants to talk to you, God wants you to talk to him. God wants you to hear his voice. God wants you to know his voice. God wants you to hear him clearly. And because of Jesus Christ, you can. You can. Doesn't mean you'll hear him audibly, but when you hear him, when you hear that still small voice, that voice that speaks, you'll know it's him. He wants you to know him and know his voice. Third thing, and remember, number four is where we're trying to get to. <clears throat> God pursued man then, and God pursues us now. Here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but when Adam and Eve sinned, why couldn't have God just pulled the plug? He could have just gave up on man. He could have left us to our own devices. He could have just said, hey, I'm going to try somewhere else. Maybe Mars will be suitable. Let's let's check that out. No, that's not what he did, is it? What does he do? Adam and Eve are hiding in shame and God pursues them. And I hit this a lot, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but God is so in love with you. Even the messed up broken, dark person that you might be. God is so in love with you that he is in constant pursuit of you. All creation points to him. Every moment, everything, God is in pursuit of you. And if you will just open your eyes and pay attention, you'll see this to be true. God is so in love with You. God pursued Adam and Eve then, and God pursues us now. And this is where we meant to get tonight, and this is where the meat is. Number four. And this is where we're going to spend the most time, so just be warned. God didn't, and God doesn't want us to hide anything from him. He doesn't want us to try and hide anything. Anything from him. In verses 9 through 13, God asked Adam and Eve four questions. I'll I'll remind you. He says, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Then he asked, have you eaten of the tree I told you not to eat of? And then he asked, what is this that you have done? God never asked a question That he doesn't know the answer to. It's not like he didn't have the answer. God has the answer to every single question ever formulated. He already knows everything. So he wasn't asking for information. What God wanted in this moment. He wanted to invoke in them confession. God was looking for a confession. God wanted them to own up to what they Did Just like God wants us to just go ahead and own up when we commit our wrongs and our sins. And God doesn't bring light to sin and he wasn't just trying to bring light to what they did to shame them. Shame comes from the devil. Condemnation comes from the enemy. But God brought these things to light and exposed their wrong to bring about a confession because that is the first step to Repentance. That's what he was looking for. That's what he was longing for. That's why he came in the garden and pursued them. But what did Adam and Eve do? They did what humans do. They didn't own up, did they? What did they do? They tried to run, right? They tried to run, but running from God wasn't the answer. You can't run from him. He's everywhere, right? They tried to hide, but he already knew where they were, and he already knew what they had done. He already knew. They tried to deflect what they did wrong. What did they do? They tried to shift the blame on anyone else or anything else but them. That's what they tried to do. Adam blamed Eve. Says, my dang wife, man, she made me do it. What did Eve say? Oh, that snake, he got me good. It's on him. Deflection, blame game, blame casting. Running, hiding, deflecting. If you haven't heard me at all tonight, hear me now. Running, hiding, and deflecting are breeding grounds for more and more and more and deeper and deeper and darker and darker sin. Running, hiding, deflecting. That's exactly what the serpent wanted to happen. They fell right into his trap, and they did exactly what he wanted them to do in the moments following. Not only did they do what he said by eating the fruit, but he did exactly what he wanted them to do in running, hiding, and deflecting. And it's exactly what the Satan himself wants you to do with your sins. He wants you to run from it. He wants you to try to hide it. And he wants you to deflect and blame everyone else but yourself. I'm going to hit a pause button here and and sidebar it for a moment. And I want to talk about temptation for just a moment. This is what happens, okay? What Adam and Eve should have did when the serpent stepped in, They should have ran to the Father. That's what they should have done. They should have asked him, what's this all about? Or they should have at least trusted what he said, my goodness. But what happens when temptation comes? Out of fear, my worry is, and because I've experienced it and I've done it and I know how humans are, what are... What we often do is we run from sin. We just run as far as we can and we tell ourselves, can't do it, can't do it, and we just run, 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 right, from temptation. Instead of, in those moments, when you just run from, you run without aim. You're just running. And really, when you're running without aim, you're getting nowhere. And what your aim should be, instead of just running, don't just run from, but run to the Father. And that's all Adam and Eve had to do in that moment, was run to the Father and trust in his word. But they didn't. They just ran from. And running from, you're just running in circles, y'all. It's like you're at a roundabout, going nowhere. Did you see it? Trying to help you. I know you wasn't getting me. Back to this, sin grows in hiding, it grows in isolation, and it grows in the dark. God wants to bring those dark things to light, not to shame you, but for your benefit. And for the benefit of your relationship with him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what God wants? We see it right here in this text. Instead of running from him, you run to him. Instead of hiding things from him, you hide nothing from him. Instead of just going to his feet and he finds you, instead of blame shifting, just own it. Just own up to it. Confess it. And when you confess it, you might as well confess all of it. You might as well pour out your heart to him. You might as well tell him what happened. You might as well tell him what your thoughts were. You might as well tell him what you've done. Tell him all. Tell him it all. It's not that he doesn't know, but if you want an intimate relationship with God, do you know what He's going to do to you? You know what it takes? The closer you get to him and the closer you being, get to being like him, you will hide nothing from him. Nothing. You've got evil, dark thoughts. Thoughts you've never uttered out of your mouth. God knows those thoughts. And you know what he wants you to do with those thoughts? To take them to him. To tell him about it. God knows what you're scheming. He already knows. He already knows what plan you have to do wrong. He wants you to go ahead and tell him what you've been trying to cook up. He wants you to tell him. He exposes things and he wants us to lay things at his feet for our benefit and for the benefit of our relationship with him. And too often we take shame and guilt into his presence. And although we are guilty of sin, there's no thought we have to be ashamed of. We need to pour it all out, confess it, and repent, and turn from it, and go on, and walk on right beside him. Our culture is thinks that spirituality is like self, and, and, and fix yourself, and you know manifest and I'm not I don't have time to get all that garbage but I want to let you know something you are your own worst enemy and you can't fix yourself so stop trying to fix yourself stop trying to defeat temptation on your own stop trying to handle all your thoughts on your own Stop. Hear me. Look at me. Stop it. God has better for you. God has intimacy for you. God has relief and peace for your stress and your burden. And he wants to be that. But it's your job to let him. It's your job to stop running. It's your job to stop hiding from him. It's your job to give in to his pursuit of you. That's what he wants. And in closing, I'm almost done. Before God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden, he does something. In verse 21, we'll read it. Last verse of the night. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. Why did he do that? Lots of symbolism here. Two things I'll bring out. One, this was a foreshadow. This was like a fore, yeah, that's the best word. It's a foreshadow of the systems of animal sacrifice that would be later instituted under the leadership of Moses, the old covenant. Go read about that for yourself. Second thing, this is also symbolism, and in a way it's prophetic, of the eventual sacrificial death that Christ would suffer to atone for the sins of man, the new covenant. God was already saying, he said in these verses, go study it out. I see what you've done. I see it all. And it comes with weight. And it comes with consequence. And you can't live in Eden. But I love you. And I want you. And I'm going to pursue you. And that's exactly what God did. God started the Bible with a wedding. And the Bible ends with a wedding. It's a love story to mankind. That's what God did. That's what Christ did. Stop running from him. Stop hiding things from him. Give in to his pursuit. Because if we have Jesus, we have no reason to run or hide or deflect. Just own it. This is the kind of intimacy we can experience with God in the here and the now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.